0: Well, now that our society is slowly getting back to social function, seeing close family and friends, reunions are happening of people seeing each other for the first time in over a year. While we're not out of the pandemic woods yet, it does seem like an exciting time, a hopeful time. But in this time when we haven't seen each other as much, we've forgotten many of the social quirks that happen in our daily uh, relational and and face-to-face interactions i'm guessing we're all going to be a a little more socially awkward uh, on the other side of the pandemic than before at least for a little while one of these quirks in particular is the long goodbye remember that You know, when you're visiting with family or a close friend, and you know it's time to go, but that goodbye lingers on. As a native Midwesterner, and also someone who has lived nearly all of adulthood in the South, both regions lay exclusive claim to the long goodbye uh, in their culture. But I can confidently say that both do it well. Uh, Maybe a little differently, but they both do it well in their own way. I think it's something innate in us as people, rather than something exclusive to any region or culture. As relational, connectional beings, we struggle to say goodbye because we long for that closeness. We long to be uh, in, in fellowship and, and relationship with one another. In our reading this morning, we see a very prolonged goodbye. Goodbye. We pick up right where we left off last week in John 15 as Jesus finishes crafting the image of himself as the true vine and us as the branches that we can only bear fruit when connected to him and by extension connected to each other. Something we didn't discuss last week was that this passage is in the middle of what scholars call the farewell discourse in John's gospel. On his last night with his disciples, After the events we know well from Maundy Thursday, Jesus essentially goes into a four-chapter monologue in John's gospel. One scholar has quipped here on Jesus' long-windedness in John that wordy is the lamb. Anyways, in this discourse, he is preparing his disciples for life after he is no longer physically present with them. Hence, a long goodbye. He begins with a reminder of where he's going. To his father's house with many dwelling places, many rooms, that he goes ahead of us to prepare a place for each of us. Then we get to this vine and branches imagery. The connectional relationship between the vine and branches is only possible through love. He says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We abide, we remain, we are connected to this love when we obey his commandments. His commandments that Jesus sums up by saying, Love God with everything you have and love one another. Then the conversation takes a turn as he gives a specific example of what this love looks like saying there's no greater example of love than to lay down one's life for their friends. This, of course, has a feeling of foreshadowing to it, as just after Jesus' prolonged goodbye, he'll be arrested and uh, soon after crucified, quite literally laying down his life. But it also brings up an often unmentioned theme in the Bible. Friendship. There are a number of images of friendship in the Bible from the unlikely friendship between David and Saul's son, Jonathan, even as Saul tries to kill David. But I think my favorite image of friendship in the Bible is that of in the book of Job. When uh, calamity befalls him and Job's three friends come to him in the midst of his distress and they simply sit with him in silence on the ash heap for seven days. Now, don't get me wrong, these three friends will mess it all up once they open their mouths, but the original image of friendship uh, is at least a good and noble one, I think, for what it means to be a friend in a time of mourning and loss. Jesus' image of friendship, while it builds on some of these biblical images, I think takes another step further with this image of friendship as laying down one's life for their friends. Now this, like other sacrificial images in the gospel, doesn't mean to take it as literally as we will see Jesus do in the coming chapters. Rather, it's an image of being self-giving, of fully giving of oneself for their friends. The key word here is the one for love, agape in Greek, an unconditional self-giving love, best Uh, exemplified by God in Christ. John and his community were certainly influenced by Greek philosophy, so they certainly would have been familiar with Plato's ideal of friendship, tes koina in Greek, that friends hold all things in common. This ideal expresses a willingness to give a friend anything of yours if such a need were to ever arise. This ideal doesn't necessarily mean that friends hold all beliefs and viewpoints in common, contrary, unfortunately, to how we today construct friendship and community. But rather, true friends were kindred spirits, willing to show up for one another and even go to bat for a friend in a time of need. This is this image of self giving that Jesus shares. It's interesting here. There are a few words Jesus could have used for friends and that John could have captured in his gospel originally written in Greek. But John captures Jesus saying the Greek word here, uh, translated as friends, as philus, derived from another word for love, philios. It can be translated as friends, but is also understood as Loved ones, beloved. Those who are beloved, who are friends, are willing to fully give of themselves out of agape, unconditional love for one another. Like the image of the vine and branches, this is a very relational, connectional word for friendship that Jesus uses here. It is with this in mind that he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. The word for servant, doulos in uh, Greek, can also be understood as a student or a disciple. Here, as Jesus says his prolonged goodbye, he gives the disciples a name change. Did you catch that? From students to friends to loved ones. By comparison, in Luke's story... Jesus will give the disciples a name change at the ascension from disciples or students to apostles, which, in, uh, which means the sent out ones, those who have been sent out. We're going to return to that image a little more next week as we celebrate the ascension, but for now, I think we have plenty to work with here. For John's Jesus... The post-Easter image for a follower of Jesus is not a servant or a disciple or a student, but a friend, a loved one. The kind of relational friend that fully gives of themselves for others. A kind of friend that seeks to live in a way that's connectional and calls one another philus, friends, beloved, it's a vision for the church and world that the reverend dr martin luther king jr once called the beloved community that together seeks a more just and equitable world where racism and any other form of prejudice are dismantled it's a vision for a kind of friendship not rooted in sharing the same opinion but rather a love that transcends and seeks to break down every barrier that divides the human family from one another and from God. Jesus gives us a model of post-Easter discipleship that he himself models for us best. Friendship. This is a relational way of discipleship that seeks connection as opposed to results or numbers. What might it look like for us to embody this image as Jesus' followers, as friends, as a beloved community? How might we seek to connect with one another as philus, as friends, as opposed to enemies or those we only value because of what they can do for us? Jesus no longer calls his servants, students, disciples, but friends. Loved ones, beloved. May we go seeking to befriend a lonely world. Knowing that our risen Lord is the very model of agape love and friendship. I'd like to close with some words from Dr. Carson Brisson, who was my Hebrew professor in seminary. He'd end each class with this benediction. Some of you may have heard it before. These words have... Proven meaningful to countless uh, students and church leaders over these decades. And I think it's right on with Jesus' words for us this morning about true friendship and self-giving agape love. Please hear these words. Let us offer to each other all that we have to offer, but never base our love on that. Lest when what we have to offer each other ends, so too shall our love end. Let us strive not to fail each other, but never base our love on that. Lest when we do fail each other, and we will, the love we based on that will also fail. Some say it is folly, some say it is fantasy, some say it's a lie. But we find ourselves in a community that declares that there is a love from, in, and of God, and this love never ends, and this love never fails. Therefore, beloved, may joy and nothing less follow you on the way. May you be blessed, and may you be a blessing, and may light guide you and countless others all the way home. Shalom. Amen.